0: To the AZ Wildcats podcast presenting sponsor neutral. All right, welcome to uh presented by Neutral. They're supporting us this territorial cup week. Hey, you've a one. They're supporting us. Uh well, actually they are. Neutral vodka seltzers are made with real fruit juice and the variety packs come in a lot of great flavors. Head to neutral.com to find a store near you. Joined by the precocious Ben White, the venerable John Schuster. I am merely Mike Luke. All right. Um, guys, this was an ass kicking. Uh, 59 to 23. I'm not super satisfied with how the uh, final score was. But at the end of the day, Ben, the Wildcats did what they needed to do. They stomped out ASU.
1: Complete domination from start to finish. It was 52 to 7 at one point there in the third quarter. Arizona appeared to peel back a little bit, which I know we're all not too thrilled about. But again, I mean, from every, we've talked about it time and time again, from everywhere this program's been from the last three years. You know, the 70 to 7 loss in 2020, the one win season against uh, you, know, the one win season where you only beat Cal in 2021 and just got absolutely smacked. It really did a good job of just summing up just everything this program has been through and the fact that the hard work and the recruiting and everything this coaching staff and these players have done, it's paid off. And tonight was one of those nights and was one of those games where you just have to enjoy it. Noah Fafita was awesome. Mac was awesome. Arizona was blowing ASU off the line of scrimmage every single play. And as a result, they were able to run the score up. And you could tell that, Mike, this, this game meant something to them, and uh, they deserve it.
0: John Schuster, I like saying we deserve things. We deserve this win. I wish
2: it was more, but we
0: deserve this win.
2: I also hope that the Internet, uh, this pretty good Internet that looks like it's about as old as I am and has been acting up the last couple broadcasts, hopefully stays put. So if there's a problem on that front, just let me know and we'll do whatever we can. Nevertheless, I think my Internet is about as good as you was today, completely dominated by the superior postgame shows like this is just a celebration for the folks who are watching and listening. Uh, there isn't a whole hell of a lot you can do to break it down. It's clear that Arizona was the better team. Uh, Fafita had great numbers. Obviously, McMillan put up some fantastic individual numbers as well. Uh, there was a lot. This was, you know, there's right. credit on the bill and that bill. Okay. That bill comes due. All right. So, uh, you know, if that's where we are, then uh, yeah. That's uh, obviously it's a good performance for Arizona. It was a great performance by Arizona, and I really
0: think it kind of this was kind of the full uh, the gamut right here of where right here where Arizona has been where they were. Think about it again, uh, two years ago when Jed Fish is in his first year here at U of A, and now, by the way, John Schuster, you look spectacular right now. Tell your internet to stay just like that. We like that, John Schuster. All right, but this is uh, this Arizona was just better on at. at every position, almost, um, and that's really, I think, just kind of a testament to the talent that Jed Fish has brought in. We're going to talk about the individual players, um, but this was um, the the difference in the difference in talent. I think was about as stark as it was when Arizona lost seventy to seven three or four years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at the line of scrimmage alone. I mean, every single guy. You know, even if we're not talking talent in each individual player, I mean, just looking at it from an eye test perspective. Arizona had at least 15 to 20 pounds on every single one of those guys on the lines alone. Um, So you look at that, you look at the fact that ASU didn't really have much options when it comes to quarterback. Obviously their quarterback couldn't go that first drive. And then uh, Borgay, who I think at times this year has shown promise and I think has been the best quarterback for ASU wasn't available uh, due to an injury. So ASU was shorthanded. They were also without their best receiver. So going into this fight, they really didn't have much of a, a weapon to go in there with so that Arizona had the clear advantage from the get-go, but I think, you know, in a game like this, you never know. Right. And I was pleased to see the way that they came out in that first half, just being aggressive, getting the ball down the field. Yeah. Some people probably maybe wanted to see them run the ball a little bit more, but I loved the game plan in that first half where you just sit Fafita back there. He's got all the time in the world because ASU had absolutely no ability to To get to him, whatsoever, you sit back there. You find T Mac, you find Cowing, you find all these guys, and just really keep your foot on the gas pedal. And that's what this team did for the majority of that game. And they were better up and down at every single position. They looked like the more comfortable team, and they looked like this meant something to them. I mean, it's the ASU Arizona game. Of course, it's going to mean something. But we've talked about it. There are guys still on that roster from three years ago during that brutal loss. And I think the coaching staff has talked about it behind the scenes and the players have certainly, um, you know, played out their frustrations in the sense that they want the revenge. And tonight was a revenge game. It was well-deserved and it's a nice little dress rehearsal for what could be coming next guys, because, oh my goodness, this team has won nine games and they're going bowling. Let's not forget that. John
0: Schuster, um, just the, uh, the talent, the talent overhaul. And again, we're going to get into the specifics here in a second. I think is it's stunning to be honest with you from where, where we were two years ago in the midst of a 20 game, um, and a 20 game losing streak, probably the worst team in power five. To let's be honest. This is probably, if it's not a top 10 team in the country, it's a fringe top 10 team in the country. That is a remarkable turnaround that I think we still need to be uh, emphasizing and uh, emphasizing home.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely astounding. And and one of the things when you guys were talking just a couple moments ago, and you were talking about the one team that was overmatched by about 15 pounds of a limit of skill players and the problem at if, if we were to go back and listen to broadcasts like this from the Arizona perspective a couple years ago, We'd be saying exactly the same thing that you guys just said about where ASU is in regards to was. And, and and you just change the names a little bit, and that's what you get. What what Fish has been able to do, his coaching staff has been able to do, and the players who have been willing to make a commitment to a program that has next to no football, you know, college football history. And and yes. You know, you talk about Bruski and you talk about Gronkowski and you talk about Desert Swarm and all that. Consider, you know, you're talking about best years, that in the last millennia. So it's not like this is a stacked program with all kinds of loaded tradition in the rest of it, and still Fish has been able to do what he did and create a team that uh, that I have argued and said on a few occasions now does nothing great but everything well, and they may be. You know whether they're a fringe top ten team, you can certainly favorably make that argument. Or if they're a you know generally speaking a top fifteen team that gets an interesting challenge in a bowl game here, at the very least they're one of the steadiest teams that we I I think we see on the national stage, and it's a it's a remarkable place for Arizona to be. And uh, in today's game, I think we all had a pretty decent idea that it could be ugly. I'll admit to you, I didn't. Th- I think Arizona had the offensive firepower to score 59 and figured that ASU, while it would be overmatched today, you know, it, it wasn't going to be the bloodletting that this ultimately was. But Arizona showed that uh, once things got steamrolled, the defense put them in great position and Arizona on the offense then, uh found mismatches, was able to take advantage of them. And uh, numbers do tell the story and and when it's a uh, single game record and receiver has 250 through the air then you know you're in pretty good shape right all right now with uh let's talk about
0: let's talk about Noah Fafita. let's talk about T Mac uh when T Mac came here obviously a five star wide receiver he was uh viewed as as one of the uh, maybe the best uh the best recruit that Arizona's ever gotten there was He's really putting a uh, an emphasis on that. And it really goes to show you too, just how little I think national media folks watch that he wasn't named as one of the ten finalists for the best wide receiver in the country. Um Lewis Riddick, who I thought did a great job broadcasting. Big fan of Lewis Riddick. more Lewis Riddick, less uh, 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 who's the uh, Rod Gilmore. Um, but just the way that he talked about it, you watch him. He looks different out there. There's just nobody that can really defend him. And it's been game in game out. And we'll get to know if Cause like you said, he was dropping dimes, but Ben, this dude is a problem. This is what a starting NFL wide receiver looks like.
1: Yeah. And Lewis Riddick even said it himself. I mean, get a look at this good look at this guy because you know, 12, 24 months from now, he's going to be in the NFL uh, playing on Sundays in, in some way, shape or form. I mean, We've talked about it. The the talent is there. The speed is there. The agility is there. And ASU, I thought made it very clear from the get-go that they were going to do absolutely everything they could in the secondary to slow him down. They were doubling him. I think there were some possessions where there were three DBs in the area of him, but it it didn't matter. He still found a way to be wide, uh, break away and get wide open in the sense that Fafita was able to find him consistently. And it helps when your offensive line holds up so well. And, they have all the time in the world to sit back there and and extend plays and and get the ball to him. So I thought that he was fantastic. I think the chemistry between him and Fafita goes without saying. It goes all the way back to Servite, as we all well know. But at the same time, Fafita's got a um, really good knack of of just finding the the wide open guy. And I think T Mac is somebody who understands. I think the plays a lot more, you know, thoroughly than maybe another receiver. I think that. You, anytime you put him on the field, it, it's got to be a, a, a game changer, and it's, it's going to be something that defenses are going to be very scared by just because of his presence and everything that he can do, and he's absolutely one of the best receivers in the country. Forget top 10. I would say top five. Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously goes without saying, but I think after that, Mike, the conversation's wide open because when I look at the numbers across college football, I look at some of these other players, there's not quite a player outside of Harrison Jr. that's doing what he's doing this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, Shue, he, he's just he's just different. I mean, this is another game that he dominated. There's been
2: multiple games this year where he's just absolutely dominated. And didn't he feel like he was surrounded by a force field? It was like (laughs) ASU ASU knew exactly who they were going to throw the ball to, and still they couldn't get within five yards of him. It was like he was bouncing off a bubble or something like that. And then he'd run for another 20, 30, uh, 40 yards after that and put himself in Arizona in great position. Let me me try something. Let me try a little tech on this area. Why don't you guys row the galley in for a little bit? You're actually fine right now. Keep it going. Okay, if it breaks up again, tell me tell and I'll you, try to I'll reset. I will tell you, I'll give
0: you the middle finger and I will tell you to reset. Yeah, perfect. Actually. All right. Sounds good. All right, All right. yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Noah Fafita, but first, first, with Kevin Woodman here. Kevin Woodman was always the one that was the master of reads. I can never come close to Kevin Woodman's reads, but let me try. Shady Rays. We've hung out with Uncle Kev. Uncle Kev always has the best sunglasses possible. We have pictures of Kev with sunglasses on, even though Kev doesn't like pictures being taken. Shady Rays, my friends. Shady Rays for the great Kevin Woodman and for many other folks. Check it out. Shady Rays is Currently in the biggest sale of the season for Black Friday. Don't miss out on all of the best deals for shades, snow, go- snow goggles, and prescription sunglasses. Go to Shady Rays and try for yourself. The shades rated 50, uh, uh, five stars by over 250,000 people. And Circle K. Ben White, when was the last time you went to Circle K? Last week. All right. That's what we like to hear. Circle K, my friends. Check it out. I was at the one on Grant and Oracle. Guess what? It was packed. There was a person coming in there that shouldn't have been in there. And guess what? They all, because it's a community at circle K, they told him you must leave, go somewhere else. And he went to the Jack in the box to cause problems, but at circle K, it's a community join the inner circle today. You will thank me later as always uh, for free by downloading the circle K app terms and conditions apply at participating locations, visit circle for details. All right. Noah Fafita. Um, I, uh, I texted this to Schuster. Schuster did not respond, which is generally par for the course. I don't blame him because the generally when Schuster responds to a text, it's going to be on here making fun of my hyperbole. But the way that Noah Fafita uh, navigates the pocket, the way that he climbs, the way that he moves around and buys time, it's a little Russell Wilson-esque. He just had a, a good Russell Wilson, not this Russell Wilson. But you watch him, and he is just – he is he is a unique football player and how he understands football, guys.
2: And spacing, uh, you know, th- there's something to be said about having having the it's and, and it's an interesting era, I think, in football in general, where you know traditionally you had a drop back passer and the Packers uh, passer stayed in what was called the pocket, and uh, you know offensive linemen would try to create in essence a bubble to give the quarterback space to throw within the hash. But now there's a lot more rotation and movement uh, going on from back and forth. But one of the things that's interesting is the ability to kind of pockets are a lot more fluid now. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to scramble toward the sideline and kind of make desperation passes toward uh, the sideline up the field. Sometimes uh, you can move within the pocket a little bit, maybe step up a couple steps, work your way back and then try to navigate uh, depending on how. Uh, The defenses are trying to play against you and buy yourself just enough time to make some good throws. And so it's very impressive that Fafita has this skill set and it gives him time and then allows him to set enough uh, to be able to make more often than not some very accurate passes. Do you think that is this something that's just I've always wondered this with the
0: quarterback? Is this something that's just inherent? Do you just do you just have this? Because, again, this is a freshman quarterback that plays like he's a now again he had the one bonehead pass we'll forgive him on that that's okay no we we forgive you but I've always wondered with the quarterback is that completely inherent because I don't think that you can necessarily teach what he's got there Ben ask coming from somebody that never played quarterback to somebody that also never played quarterback the great Ben White
1: <laughs> I played in practice in high school but that doesn't oh, count. you
0: played for Jeff Skurin.
1: yeah yeah exactly I, I think um I think it's interesting because you know he's obviously somebody who's been Anybody who's watched him closely and and you've talked to the family and you've talked to people close to him and, and we've heard it, anybody who's watched him closely has said that anytime this kid gets on the field, he's not coming off. Um, he's that talented. I think from an intelligence standpoint, he understands offenses. I think he's a, a nerd, quite honestly, when it comes to playing quarterback. And, you know, our good buddy Brad Alice talks about it all the time when, we're referring to quarterbacks and what makes somebody great versus somebody good it's the fact that they're just somebody who loves football they they geek out about it they're nerds about it and i think somebody like him is is very dedicated to his craft um i think when you're undersized like that you have to play with a chip on your shoulder because growing up all the way from middle school to at this point now division 1 at the college level um, nothing's really going to come easy for you. I mean, right. you're undersized. You're definitely not going to go into a program and be handed the reins as a, as a starter. So somebody like him has always had to compete his whole life. And I think even when you're at the top and when you get into that position of being a starter and being the main guy, you never forget that. Um, and he's somebody who carries himself that way. Um, He doesn't make a lot of bad mistakes. I get the one throw today, like you mentioned, but I'm, I'm not going to hype too much on that, but he's very smart with the football and, Um, If something's not working, you know, the first read or the second read, it's not an issue for him. I mean, he'll break out. He can extend plays. He can use his feet when need be. So definitely, um, yeah, some Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray qualities to him. And I think, um, you know, in terms of the future for this program, you return most of the guys next year and he's only going to get better. And I mean, he's shown it game after game this year. The Colorado game was a a slight step back, but they still found a way to win, and he stepped up and made plays when it matters. But point being, Mike, he's so young, and he gets better every single game. So for me, as long as he stays healthy and things continue, the sky's the limit for him. Shoot, I yeah, said, air, Mike, air, air, go ahead. Sorry, no, 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 you're cool. You're
2: cool. I, um, I, I, I think the gist of it, you, one of the things that maybe helps in this regard too, uh, in terms of being patient enough not to always want to rush out of the pocket to act like you're just trying to save your life is maybe Arizona's offensive line has improved significantly as well. And there might be a couple players on that offensive line that that can give you a little bit extra time. So if you've got some rushes, let's say uh, on the edges and they, and they try to work themselves around the edge, you can move inside a bit if you've got some, you know, a little bit, if you have some protection immediately on the inside, and then you can navigate a stepper here, you know, a step or two here, a step or two there, and just work your way through kind of like like a, a mouse in a labyrinth. And then you find enough of an open space and you're able, because all you're trying to do is buy yourself an extra second, second and a half until somebody gets open and you're in a position where you can make something happen. Shoot. We lost Other Shoot. Yep. Breaking up. Okay. Gotcha. If you decide it's going to go, if you're going to go from one sideline to the other, then you're in a position where you're cutting off half the field. But if you can stay in the pocket longer, you have a little bit more opportunity to make some things work. Oh, we're talking about, remember caller Antonio with uncle Kev. Um,
1: yes, we yeah, all remember Call Antonio. Antonio, the
0: prison wallet, uncle Kev. Yes. Um, <laughs> but Fafita to me is that dude Fafita again, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Fafita to me is Mike Bibby. Um, and that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't pass all of the, uh, you know, he doesn't look like Allen Iverson crossing people over, or he's not going to slam in your face like a, a Michael Jordan or something, but he's smarter than you. And guess what? If he's your quarterback, you are probably going to win that game. Now, I'm going to date myself right here. Well, a lot of people wish they could date themselves, but I am going to date myself. Ben White is not alive when Mike Bibby was at the U of A, to my knowledge. Ben White, how old are you
1: again? Not true. Not true at all. What year were you born, Ben White? Ninety six.
0: I don't know, Ben. When's your birthday? because because he, he was 96 as well all right either way you knew you were going to win the game with Fafita you just get a sense that you're going to be in a very very good opportunity to be able to uh, to win games and he's just got something about him and it also helps that he's got good wide receivers
1: yeah I mean he he's got the personnel around him and I think That's what a lot of us were frustrated about early in the season because you look at the loss to Mississippi State and um, you look at Arizona being in in a tight spot against Stanford and and some of these other games and even going back to last year. Um, But this year entirely different because you've got the foundation on the line. You've got the wide receivers. You've got the running game, the the, the four-headed monster, as we want to call them. you got four different guys back there, maybe even five. I thought you were talking
0: about a guy with a big forehead that you called the four-headed monster.
1: There you go. There you go. But the point being, there's nothing that this Arizona team, I think, has a clear weakness in. I think... The secondary is good. I think you saw it today with, with Priceock and Maldonado and, and Davis back there breaking up passes and giving ASU absolutely nowhere to go when it comes to throwing the ball. Um, it helps when you have one of the most well-rounded rosters that this program has maybe had in the last 20 years, Mike. And I think when you're somebody like him who has the talent, who has the drive, and has the ability to make plays when need be, it's a winning combination because he's not Captain Checkdown. He can go deep if he has to. See, I mean, we 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 see this with T Mac, game in and game out. He's a very talented player. That's what drives me up a
0: wall when I hear people talk about. Well, you know, he just doesn't make mistakes. No, no, no. He makes bi- he makes hu- a huge difference out there. He can throw the ball. He can make plays wherever he needs to. He's that dude, as the people you know, 50 say.
1: 50-yard hey, touchdown to T-Mac today. Like, he get is, he's here. not
0: a game manager. If you ever see anybody that calls uh, Noah Fafita a game manager, go and slap them, please. But just don't blame me, and don't slap anybody at that Grant and Oracle Circle K. That's on you if you do that one. Um, all right, now uh, let's see here. All right, yes. All right, now let's get to the defense. My bad, gunner. As you guys all know, generally I'm wrong on most things. I take pride in it, but you know what? When I'm wrong, I'm looking to break your jaw with my, or your hand with my jaw. That's how tough, that's how tough I am. My bad, Gunnar Maldonado. I thought this guy was, I'll just be honest. I thought this guy sucked. Um, Jed Fish was always saying, uh, He's way better than anybody out there thinks, and I'm thinking, all right, what is what is this guy? Jed Fish no. Gunner Maldonado is a problem. Gunner Maldonado is one of the leaders on this defense. Yes, to the Alamo, all those people. Um, we'll get to that. But dude, Gunner's a problem. My bad Gunner, my bad Pella, all of those people. That's why I am sitting here and you are playing Division One football. Ben White, I look like an idiot.
1: Hard to argue that even without the gunner take. I mean, let's, true. Let's, this is let's true. Be, let's be honest here. Yes. Um. But no, I mean, he's had a tremendous turnaround from the first two to four games of the season. Uh, leads the team in tackles today, 10 total tackles, five solo. I mean, there's nothing that he can't do. I mean, he's really good one-on-one with coverage, but he's also really good in the open field. And I think, you know, he reads coverages very, very well. And um, kind of like Fafita, right? When you talk about having the smarts and having the ability to to go out there and understand what needs to get done, um, even if you're not the most talented guy or you don't have the best physical attributes, it's going to go a long way. And I think somebody like him is, is, is lengthy and long and can do a number of different things, but... You know, when you look at him compared to Priceock, I mean, Priceock, I think, clearly looks like the better corner, but he yeah. doesn't look out of place out there. No. Um, he's talented. He can make plays happen. And this defense has really, I think, fed off the secondary getting better. Because I think the pass rush has been there all year. Obviously, you bring in big guys like Upshaw and Norton, and and we know the story there. Who? But that, Who'd you
0: say? Uh,
1: big Bill Norton. Big Bill Norton. Um, So we know the story there, but I think the defense in terms of the secondary has always been – know kind of the question mark at least in the first half of the season and gradually every single game it's gotten better um and that's because of guys like Gunnar maldonado for sure
0: yeah i mean Gunnar maldonado just again my bad gunner this defense though the way that they're able to make uh, a transition on the fly is incredibly impressive uh shaz if you're going to say Big Bill, you're going to call him Big Bill Norton, my friend. It is not just two words. It is all I can't good.
1: get away with it. You definitely can't yep, get away with on, it. Come on,
0: Chaz. As much as we like, you bring in the Jack in the Box. By the way, check out the Jack in the Box on University. The best Jack in the Box tacos in town. Even better than the ones on Grant and Oracle, my friends. That's Even a better scary Jack the... in the Box. Yes, his Jack that in the Box sc- is way better. Uh, yes, this Jack in the Box is there, plus they have high-quality people. By the way, speaking of high-quality people, look who's trying to make his triumphant return possibly we're
2: trying and it sounded like i missed some amazing jack-in-the-box talk i hope this helps i don't know we'll find out i you know my amazing technical skill set being that uh, you look look flawless right now the uh, head is shining
0: it is shining uh, it is you got the u of a by the way Mm-hmm. Tony Jamino would be very upset if he saw that you that A shirt on you, that block A. Tony Jamino no, no, would no, not uh, be no, happy.
2: No, no, no. You ha- and it's understandable. You have to be objective in in broadcasts like this. No, I mean it is something like this. When you're on the <laughs> AZ Wildcats podcast, right. all you do is report the
0: hard facts, do nothing else, just report, report, and report the facts again. Also, the Tony
1: Jamino line. Let's see how the season plays well, out. Let's dad, see how things happen.
0: Here. Here's how I asked Tony when I, I asked Tony Jamino or earlier in the season, I said, is this the third best team ever? And he says, um, he says, "Mike, that would be grossly unfair to put uh, to cast such a wide, wide net of uh, expectations
2: on such a young group of individuals." Mike, um, is this the uh, third best internet that I've ever had in uh, in a post game broadcast? This is good. This is good. By the way, you know that
0: I have the best, pro- as good an internet as there is in all of Tucson. All of you people out there, you're probably jealous. Guess guess what? You look at Ben White making all that money in California selling AT and T. You look at John. Schuster has been in the scene for years and then merely Mike Luke having fiber internet, my friends, fiber internet, Ben, I know you're jealous. I can hook you up with uh, somebody that can get you fiber internet, but first there's that something be else. great. All right. Bet MGM. Now I was telling you all before the season, I've been telling you this before again, generally I'm wrong, but on some things I'm right. I'm generally right on the U of a over. I told you before the over of five was easy money. My friends, easy money. And guess what? We've won nine games and we're heading towards 10. All right. Now you could be on BetMGM, and you could get all of that again, but here's the cool thing you got. Um, Put $10 down and you will receive $200 instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's uh, outcome. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $10. You will receive $200 instantly in additional winnings. Check out the show notes for full details. Again, as always, you'll thank me later. One other thing, too. Arizona Lottery. John Schuster,
2: you do scratchers. This is correct? No. I should. Because I'd have a better shot at scratchers than the uh, consistent losing that I have with. Uh, I go big now. If I was wise like you are, now Ben, you're not allowed to play the Arizona lottery because you're not in, in, in that state. We can probably work some black market things out for you. Oh, I did not just say that live with my. Oh,
0: you guy. did Oh, um, the scandal, but, Bruce. You know, if Here I was, uh,
2: if I was, uh, if I was pure wisdom, you know, if and that that the scratcher would be the direction uh that i went i just i tend to go big and probably play a little bit more lottery than i should but one of these days all right There's arizona- the drawings arizona lottery go out and buy your holiday scratchers
0: today again arizona lottery um by the way ben you're getting compliments on the facial hair left and right it does look kind of gangsta uh kev maybe i will sing Before we get off Uh, again, people on there, if you want me to sing, remind me to sing, and I will sing before we get off. I promise. Probably some Whitney Houston, because again, I have been listening to Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all today. And it. it again it's it's good I'm actually writing that down in my reminders as well but we got to talk about the defense what the defense did what the defense has done all season fellas has been remarkable they all they've made great adjustments and let's be honest here that first drive for ASU was garbage for Arizona you had a tight end in there who was no threat to throw and it looked like Arizona had never seen the read option in the past and it looked like they had no idea what was going on shoe they settled down and they realized, guess what? When Jalen Conyers is a quarterback, we don't have to worry about him
2: throwing the ball. And then they stopped it. How many times this year have we repeated that refrain? That yeah. Arizona, that Arizona's adjustment on the fly Four, five yeah. games this year? Right. It's not uncommon. And and I'd be kind of interested. Maybe this is something that our pal Anthony Gemino, who's a big stats freak, can go back and look at. I'd kind of be interested to see what Arizona's general defensive numbers are in the first portion of the first quarter. Let's say the first eight minutes of the first quarter. And after that. To, to get a general idea of what their adjustments might, their overall adjustments might be. Because they obviously have a very good game plan coming in. You know, they, they understand how to scout what it is they're trying to attack. But then it seems to take them a possession, often, not always, but often, uh, to get a little, to get acclimated to what it's actually like in a field game situation and then once that happens yeah. the ability to communicate the necessary adjustments seems to work very well they have an understanding of what to expect and how to defend it so that aspect of it i think in addition to obviously talent that's able to you know execute those plans arizona's ability to adjust on the fly i think it's been very good and it was kind of entertaining i don't know if you were you guys were getting these you know similar texts from wildcat fans as well when asu was going on that first drive it was like you know, everything was completely falling apart and panic buttons were unloading all over town. Right. Uh, and, and it's, and it's sort of like dudes, we've seen this before. You know, no. I, I might start to get a little concerned if we're in the second quarter and the team's moving up and down the field, but against Arizona, that hasn't happened on a consistent basis for what, six weeks. Yeah. And, and, and that's so why did we have any belief it was going to happen today?
0: And that's something Ben, that we are not used to seeing. And, um, we gotta give Johnny Nansen a lot of credit. Gotta give the uh gotta give Dwayne Aquina. Again, I believe Dwayne Aquina's had played a very important role in this. But either way, this team makes it this team,
1: uh, this this team knows what it's doing. Well, and shoot and shoes, right. I mean, it, it's happened every single first possession for this defense going back to the wazoo game. Um, they let up a really touchdown. They put up, I believe 44 points, same story every single game. So I don't know if it's just a, you know, a, a, momentum thing, starting the game, whatever it is. I mean, regardless, it's, it's a good issue to have just be thankful. It's the first drive of the game and not necessarily the, the last drive of the game. Um, but yeah, this defense has adjusted spectacularly. Um, I think it goes back to personnel. I think it goes back to the fact that I think this offense has also come along the last six weeks. And we were at a point early in the season where we thought to ourselves, OK, Arizona has a, a better foundation than last year for sure. They have good receivers. They have a good running game. But can this team consistently score more than, you know, 14 to 20 points a game? And I think they've gotten better as time has gone on. And, and a big part of that has been it's no secret, right, switching to Noah Fafita. Um, That's helped you a ton. I think you go up in a game like you did against USC in triple overtime where you're having to put up 40 plus points. And it really was the turning page for that offense, I think, after that game, because there was just a flow. And there was just something about it that was different that we hadn't seen in the beginning of the season. And when your offense is able to score a lot more points and and be a lot more consistent and take time off the clock, it's only going to help your defense um, because your defense is going to have time to rest and guys are going to be a lot more locked in. So I think, you know, the defense was doing a lot in the first four or five weeks of the season. And as time has gone on, um, they've gotten better, but their job has also gotten a little bit easier, I think, too. Shoe,
2: I see you wanting to make a point. Yeah, Mike, uh, you and I had a conversation, I think it was after the USC game, and it's kind of a bad example because it's outside of Colorado, the last game where Arizona gave up a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the things that you talked about, and it's clearly important here, and it was discussed on the television broadcast today as well, is one of the things that I think we've forgotten in the gist of it, it's unexpected. It's not that it's been forgotten, it's just unexpected. When you don't... If you look at Arizona not from an overall uniform standpoint, you know which team is USC, for instance, which team is Arizona. If the uniforms were removed from them, from an overall talent and physicality standpoint, it's hard to tell the difference. And that obviously has a lot to do with it. It's great to be able to communicate what you want to do on the defensive end, but you better have the talent to be able to do it. And Arizona has significantly improved in two areas on the defensive end. It's line is legit. Yes. And I, I know Mike you've talked Mike and Ben, you guys have talked about this on uh, on a number of occasions. But the big cornerback thing. Has played such a significant deal at this level. And it allows Arizona to not just be able to put pressure on the quarterback, but to put pressure on receivers as well. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. How many times now listen, Takario Davis, if he had, I tweeted this
0: out, if Takario Davis had hands, he would be Ed Reed. He has, uh, I think he's dropped something like 13 interceptions this year. I think it's eight, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something wild. Um, But uh, he leads the conference in uh, pass deflections, as they uh, noted on the screen. and, And like Shu said, it gives you such a margin for error. How many times have you seen one of those two players maybe get beat or maybe not be in the right position, but they're able to reach back? They're able to uh, maneuver in such a way. We're used to seeing Smurfs at corner and now having 6'3", 6'4", wide uh, wide receivers, corners, (laughs) like like Shu said. I mean, that's big time football right there. You don't see a lot of programs that have
1: stuff like that. Hey, maybe, maybe one of them can be Travis Hunter and play both. No, I'm just, yeah. Kidding. Right. Um, But no, I, I think, I think that's been key. Um, And you've seen it in years past, not to say that the D line has been anywhere close to what we're seeing this year with maybe some teams in the last few years. But at the end of the Sumlin era, they did try to get some bigger guys. Granted they were bigger. They weren't the most talented guys for sure, but it didn't really do much just because of how bad your secondary was. Right. And I think, you know, you want to talk about Nansen. You want to talk about scheming, and it's it's all well and good, but you know it comes down to personnel. and And Jed Fish has said that over and over when he's been asked whether it's in a press conference, on a podcast, etc. The biggest difference between year zero, 2021 as he calls it, and what we're seeing right now is is personnel. When you got ninety five new guys on that roster, it, it's it's a different program. And when you have good players, when you have a good foundation. And when you have depth, it's not just like a Scooby Wright, right? Or one guy on the defensive side that can make plays. So Will Parks and a Scooby Wright, it's it's five or six different guys because you talk about that D-line, you talk about one or two guys in that secondary, you know, three maybe if you want to include Davis Prysock and Maldonado for what he's been doing. Who's it's- Davis Prysock? Davis Prysock? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I
0: thought
2: you were <laughs> No, no,
1: no, no, no. Yeah, we're using last names here, Mike Luke. Right, we're, trying, we're trying to be like John Schuster. We're trying we... to be very formal on this broadcast. <laughs> we,
2: are, we are. It's always such a terrible idea. <laughs> Anything, any, any sentence that involves we're trying to be like John Schuster is usually a failed experiment. All right, bear down, cats. We're going to get to this because I was a little
0: irked by this. But first, Barry Manilow it is for Uncle Kevin. I made it through the rain... And found myself respected by the others who were rained on to and made it through. How about that? All right, I thought you guys would. A plus plus plus. That was an A plus plus. I was there, John Schuster. How do you feel about this?
2: I was really wishing that my internet would have gone out there. (laughs) All right, Uh, what were we
0: talking? Oh, I don't like letting up the gas. Um, I, I listen, I know maybe I'm a, maybe this is a millennial thing, but, um, I wanted to see Arizona state when they played Arizona tried to go 70 to seven. They tried to score as many points as possible. Arizona went nice guy and they made the score more, uh, reasonable Ben white agree with me. Or are you going to disagree with me? Like I think John Schuster probably will.
1: Um, I wasn't happy about it, but at the same time, I understand it. Um, Fish made it very clear, I think, on the TV broadcast that he was just going to try to rotate some younger guys on defense. Um, and look, you're you're up. What at one point was it fifty-two to seven, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't like the fact that you let up that thirty-one yard reception. Um, Rashada threw a really nice touchdown. That receiver did a really good job. I didn't like that because the defense was clearly caught uh, asleep at the wheel there. But by and large, yeah, I mean. Could it have been, you know, 70 to 7? Yeah. Would we have liked to see it be 77? Absolutely. But at the same time, guys, um, pretty big margin of win here. And uh, from everything that this program has been through and the fact that you've got to be smart because there is one more game, your Super Bowl or bowl game, whatever you want to call it, wherever it's going to be. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, you got to be considering that as well. So, yeah, it wasn't great. But at the same time, you know what? Arizona still kicked the shit out of ASU.
2: Yeah, John I don't care. Uh, it, 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 it's one of, the, and I know, you know, I got plenty of texts as well. Uh, you know, get to 70, get to hey, if you got 70, fine, you know, if, if where it was after a while, it was almost embarrassing to watch, and you know, it, it was kind of boring. Uh, uh and uh, there was such a degree of difference and dominance between the two programs that, uh, you know, just getting out of there is perfectly fine uh, you know i'm not sure that i mean it doesn't matter in that uh, arizona was the better team asu three years ago or two years ago or whenever that was when they ran up 70 it was ugly and you know it was yeah. up to arizona to try to stop them and they couldn't asu couldn't stop them today but you know there may be people if there's a you know if asu can have a resurgence you know things come around there may be freshmen on that roster who remember who remember the put Arizona put up 89 there's a fan base up there of at least 15 people who still care about ASU football uh <laughs> you know who uh you know are very upset about uh you know un- understandably what happened today we've seen what ugly football is this is the University of Arizona. There aren't a lot of programs at a power five level that know what ugly football is more than Arizona does. And, and have a fan base that's gone through a lot of this. A, a lot of this. ASU's going through this right now. Uh, are, are they able to work their way through it? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Arizona has done a very nice job of it. I, I, you know, Arizona dominated the game. Lots of Wildcat fans are rightfully celebrating. It feels good after what after the 70 spot that ASU put on them. But in the overall grand scheme of things, you dominated who they were. You move on from there. And that's the way it is. And both of these schools still hate each other. And they're going to act like it next year.
1: And real quick before we move on, I mean, the difference too is Dillingham's out there and he cares. Kevin Sumlin didn't care. Um, And I think think when the coach doesn't give a crap it, it's a reflection of the entire team, right? Because you get mobbed down. You don't really care at that point. And Dillingham still felt like there was something to play for right in the second half because he's in that program. He's trying to build it up from the ground up. So there's a level of effort there that just wasn't there three years ago. I think that's the difference, too.
0: All right. Jedi force next year. We're going to have the big G A D L on the D L on the D.L. on the D.L. Hmm, I don't know what that means, but you strike me as uh, knowing something I don't. Mm. Uh, Maybe elaborate a little bit more. Thank you for the super snap right there. I appreciate that. Um, All right, super chat. Sorry. Um, (laughs) That's my boomer moment. Um, Now, Arizona probably going to the Alamo Bowl, probably going to play Oklahoma. Arizona, I know the great Kevin Woodman is making fun of San Antonio. He has that in uh, uh, common with Charles Barkley as well who likes making fun of uh the women in San Antonio. But Alamo Bowl is awesome. It's a, it's not a it's a fringe, it's not one of the Power 6 bowls, but it's literally that right step below. The Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma I think would be awesome for a variety of reasons. Shoot, a big reason why I would like to see that is also just to see the talent on the field. Kind of like with Arizona SC where you and I were texting back and forth and it's like, man, the talent disparity out
2: here, there doesn't really seem to be one. I'm curious how that would look against Oklahoma. Agreed. And one of the other things in in this winning streak, Arizona has played its share of. And I, this is, is going to sound like a backhanded compliment to Arizona's defense. And it's not meant that way at all. Arizona's defense has been great and done a lot of good things we talked about that five we covered that five minutes ago but Arizona has played a number of Pac-12 teams that have been you know have had some issues or inconsistencies on the offensive end that is not the problem with Oklahoma so if that matchup happens we do get a good test of what Arizona's defense can do against a legitimate uh nationally recognized offense that does a lot of things and has some big time talent and even though they're leaving the conference, the thing that I'm really kind of hopeful for is just to get a preview, a little bit of an no, early agree. preview of what you see out of the approach of the Big 12. Because next year is going to be an adventure for everybody. Big 12 teams don't know how the former pack teams, uh, you know, align. Pack teams don't know, you know, what g- going against Big 12 talent week in and week out looks like. Uh, so I think that becomes a very uh, it, it, I don't know if it's telling per se, because Oklahoma's very good. I think I think that game can be a blast, especially if Oklahoma doesn't go into, oh, we don't really want to feel like playing in an Alamo Bowl. We feel like we're better than that. Got a bunch of kids who are looking ahead to, you know. That's NFL fine. I say we take their all lunch that. money. I, I, I what I'm hoping for is that that doesn't happen and you get an equal playing field with two very good teams i'm I'm disappointed when college kids don't play in a bowl game uh, so you know all of that aside um, that that that'd be a that matchup would be a blast. And yeah. the fact that Arizona has solidified its position to be able to get into that conversation is a testament to where things are going. The amount of coin you would have made on a uh, on an online gambling platform if you had predicted that Arizona was going to play in, in a as lofty, such as, if you were, uh, you know, if it, that, that Arizona was going to play in a game as lofty as the Alamo Bowl, you probably would have gotten decent odds on that one. Have I told you guys about Desert Financial Credit Union? Oh, uh, uh, tell us again. Oh, you must tell us again. Okay. All right. man, now the
0: must is really I think what put it over the top. Not just merely saying that, but the must. Here's the deal. They are like John Schuster. They are a person of the community. They will talk with you during the day about sports and then they will schuber you around in the evening. In they fact,
2: are... they will schuber you to uh Desert Financial, They will
0: if you want, if you want that, they will do it. Who's the, what's the farthest you've ever schubered somebody?
2: Uh Phoenix? Is that it? But I've you... been to I've been to Serita I've been to Senoida a few times, uh, but Phoenix is the longest ride. Okay. Desert Financial Credit
0: Union. You could probably find one a little bit closer than uh, than San Diego, or, or I don't know why I said San Diego.
1: But again, but that's probably true. We'd, we'd you love to see a bowl a- game in San Diego.
0: When you open a free checking account online, get $200 in bonuses. Get started by visiting uh, desertfinancial.com slash 200. Also, oh geez, Kevin Woodman, one of Kevin Woodman's – the great Kevin Woodman. What did San
1: Antonio ever do to Kev? My goodness. It's it's a funny comment for sure, but I'm just wondering if there's something behind it.
0: (laughs) One of Kevin Woodman's favorite things to say is about he wasn't opposed to – um, he wasn't opposed to uh, THC type uh, stuff, but there was just way too many delivery systems involved. You had to get a pipe. You had to get a lighter. You had to clean it out. All of that. Kev, I have just what is for you. The delivery system that you've been looking for all these years, my friend. OGs. All right. oh, geez. Here's the deal, Kev. You can get OGs. These are uh, gummy THC, my friend, with no delivery system other than just consuming them. Very, very cool. Um, now, again, we're taking some outsh- outside sh- – uh, hold on. Actually, I got the wrong read there. My bad. Um, either way, uh, check out OGs. You will thank me later. Uh, we are brought to you by our friends at OGs Brands. Very good stuff. Um, you will uh, – You again – you will thank me later, my friends. Um, all right. We need to talk about Jed Fish leaving. Schuster, Ben, I think Schuster hit the nail on the head. Every coach that comes to Arizona, they essentially dig their own coffin, and we never hear from them again um, outside of Larry Smith. Um, uh, Dick Tomy, coaching at San Jose State. Uh, John McEvick, Nate Rady is still looking for him in Japan. Um, <laughs> the uh, Mike Stoops is still living with his brother. Uh, uh, Rich Rod is at Jackson state and Kevin Sumlin is getting DUIs as the offensive coordinator at Maryland. It's not a long, a glorious track record. John Schuster, Ben White. You always talk about how let's not worry about this because this is a good problem to have. We are not used to being in this situation. Go yeah. I mean,
1: hundred percent. Um, and I think if you're an Arizona fan, you have to take it one step at a time, right? Enjoy the now, um, enjoy the nine win season, enjoy the bowl game and whatever happens happens. Um, we've, we've speculated and we've talked about, you know, if you're somebody like fish, what's going through your mind and, you know, the program that you've built and the fact that you've made it very, very clear that you want to be somewhere where you can say, yeah, this is mine. This is something that I've built from the ground up. We feel that we can win here. He's already proven that he's able to get the recruits that he needs. He's killing the game with NIL. And I think with the way college football is just in general now, it's it's changed so much over the last 24 months where you look at some jobs like A&M and you look at maybe some of these other jobs opening up. I think Michigan State's a better example um with the way it's structured and the way that you can bring guys in and recruit it's it's not a no-brainer like you would think maybe five to ten years ago right. i wouldn't leave arizona for michigan state a and maybe is a little bit of a different story just because you have the money and the nil resources but again i i certainly wouldn't wouldn't say it's a done deal if anybody's looking at anything so um yeah you just need to see what happens um haven't really heard anything one way or the other yet. I think by all means is as, as long as Jed Fish is your football coach, he's your football coach, and you want people to be calling him because that means your program is doing something successful. Just remember that.
2: Shoot. he'd be walking away from a really nice situation. Yes, he would. Uh, you know, and and there are two different. Uh, you know, I think probably plenty of uh, different schools of thought here. Uh, it's all speculative. I think it would behoove Fish to stay and continue to build something that's good with an opportunity in a conference that doesn't have, at least on the outside, it has a lot of good teams and a lot of good programs. Uh, and and there's a lot of Texas talent in what is going to be the Big 12. But Arizona appears to be going into that conference with an opportunity to be a factor. and 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 there's a lot to be said about that. But we also all understand that there's a money thing at play here. And so, you know, from a money standpoint, if you're an SEC or a Big Ten school, and I think the Michigan State example of my understanding is that Jonathan Smith at Oregon State has signed off on that. Yeah, correct. He's, uh, that he's the new that, that 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 deal is done. But I, un- I understand that from his standpoint, yeah. because. At Oregon State, you don't know what conference you're going to be in next year. You could be playing so, Grand Canyon next year, uh, right? Right. Yeah, and 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 from a career standpoint, as much as he probably wanted to stay in Corvallis, you know, you're getting paid a heck of a lot of money, and you're in a major league to do it, and you know that Michigan State uh, has some stature, and you have an opportunity to do some good things. I get the Jonathan. I I totally get the Jonathan Smith move, uh, and, and I think it's a good hire for Michigan State, uh, but. The greater concern here, I think, if you're looking at it from the other speculative money alone standpoint, is that because of television deals, the SEC and the Big Ten have twice as much money per school to throw at potential coaches. And that makes it difficult, potentially, for teams in the Big 12 and teams well, uh, that used to be in the Pac-X uh, to be able to uh, go head to head with that. and. Yeah. And so, if Arizona is in that contingency, you know, then then what I would do behind the scenes—you always have to play contingencies here—I would reach out to Fish if Fish is, gets to the point where these conversations are legitimate and not just speculative. Or if Fish doesn't kabosh them fairly quickly, you know, if he's out there looking and the money's out there and it's interesting, then I would reach out to Fish. And if you can't match the offer. You ask him, OK, who is your handpicked successor at Arizona to keep what's to to keep the train moving with the philosophy that is very similar, as opposed to the school trying to go out and find somebody else who might be philosophically entirely different and see if there's a guy who fish says, I like that guy to be able to replace me. I think they're going to do a lot of the same things in Arizona's on on solid footing uh, that 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 is the approach I would take if I'm in contingency mode for Arizona the question beyond that from a money standpoint becomes a little bit more dicey depending on how you want to analyze this from a PR standpoint because, and and, and I think the points that Mike is going to make in regards to this are good. However, from Arizona standpoint, you, re, you upped fish last year. You have a quarter of a billion dollar shortfall uh, on, on your books right now. If you're asking the community to buy into a a major raise for your football coach, you'd better be aware that that's not going to necessarily play well in a lot of circles, and you'd better have a good answer for that. So that's the contingency they need to make if they decide they need to up his contract and they think he's worth doing that. All right, this is probably
0: going to give me some trouble with some academics, I get it. totally understand, totally understand the gripe. But at the end of the day, you're also not bringing 55,000 people into your anthropology, uh, into your anthropology class. The football and basketball bring in a lot of money. I understand there's a reason that these are always the two highest paid states, uh, uh, state employees at any university. That's always the reason it is, because guess what? They bring in more money. Also, I want to talk about Texas A and M for a second here because that's the that's the uh, the school that uh, Fish keeps uh, being uh, linked with. But first, Desert Financial Credit Union, buy the numbers. Okay, uh, Jacob Franklin, the great Jacob Franklin, please pull this up. All right, here are the numbers. <laughs> this is called an ass kicking.
1: Um, My goodness.
0: Now this is presented by desert financial credit union of Arizona's number one credit union named by Forbes. Um, all kinds of good stuff, guys, uh, 527 yards to 82. That's very good. Um, Arizona just beat the snot out of them. And that's,
1: uh, that's where it was. You nailed it, Mike Luke. That's all we can say here. John Schuster. You
2: disagree. I can tell. Yeah, that's some powerhouse analysis right there. But when you have a game like this, anyone can break down, uh, those statistical, uh, enumerations right okay
0: now i want to get back to uh texas before we sign off here i want to talk about texas a and i do i know that texas a&m has a lot of money texas a&m in my lifetime has never been consistently ever good at football ever no matter who they bring in from franchione or whatever his name was to uh um uh, obviously Kevin Sumlin, um, to Jimbo Fisher, they have never been good at football. And again, good, I mean, relative, they've never mm-hmm. been nationally relevant at the highest level, maybe a year, but Arizona has been that, you know, a year here, a year there. What I, I, I wonder if there's something going on at AM. and and here's my only reason why Jimbo Fisher left Florida state and Jimbo Fisher, you look at Jimbo Fisher's resume at Florida state. He won a national title. He had five or six top five, top 10 finishes. The guy obviously could coach. He fell flat on his face at A&M. So I... Maybe there's something weird to me about the whole A and M situation, there, fellas. Sometimes, maybe if you're Jed Fish, maybe you wait for the right opportunity. What say you guys?
1: Yeah, and I think he's in a position to do that, Jimbo. It's interesting, and I, I could be off a little bit on the details from but from what I remember. Obviously, they paid him a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. But he came in there, and there was a lot of mess to be cleaned up behind the scenes. So he didn't exactly have a a great start there, but. Yeah, that, that program is weird. I mean, they like you said, Mike, I mean, you look at the win-loss cat column over the last, you know, 20, 25 years, and they've had some good years and they've done some good things and they've produced some good players and some talent, no doubt, but there just has been no consistency. Um, and I think there's somebody behind the scenes, obviously, that is that is basically driving the direction of okay, it's it's national title or bust every single game. Kind of like when you look at Michigan. Or Ohio State, how it doesn't matter if Ohio State's undefeated, if they're going to lose every single game against or every single game against Michigan every year, it doesn't matter. I think A and M kind of has that same mentality when it comes to their football program. And if you're somebody like Jed Fish, I think you have to understand that. I think you have to realize that if you go over there, I don't think you're going to be given the time that you would be given at a place like Arizona and going to the SEC and competing with all these other schools. It's it's, it's certainly not impossible, but it's not easy. Um, I think in a weird way, he has had an advantage just being out here in the Pac-12, was the Pac-12, um, just because you had access to Southern California, you had access to some of these other Texas kids that maybe the top echelon schools didn't want. And I think when you go to AM, recruiting obviously is going to be a lot easier, no doubt about it. But from a fit standpoint and what you're looking to do, you may not be able to get the kids that you think you're going to be able to get. Um, See, so if I, I were him, I'd be looking at that a little bit more closely.
2: I think the comparison or the way that A and M approaches this is a lot like Georgia. There's a little bit more, and 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 I feel like they think Georgia is sort of their model. Uh, keep in mind, Georgia's a good football before Kirby Smart. Yeah, Georgia's a yeah. good football program that. Everybody keeps constantly telling you is top five. They're knocking on the door. They're ready to break through. And they finish the season eight and four. And you're kind of wondering, well, I think that guy's a pretty good coach. I think Mark Rick's okay coach. I think, you know, those, those guys are all, you know, they got got, got a good track record and the rest with. Why Everybody keeps telling me how awesome Georgia is, and Georgia never gets awesome. And then Georgia finally made the hire that made them awesome. I think A&M's thinking, well, if Georgia can do that with that kind of track record, so can we, and we've got the deep pockets, and we have the money, and we can make this happen. The problem that that I think is taking hold at A and M, and it's a problem with a lot of schools that have some variation of this mentality, is that they live in a TikTok era of instant gratification. They want to win now, and 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 when they can't win now, they don't necessarily look at the longer tenure. You know, they have this way well, got to be got to be better in two years. And then there does, because money clearly doesn't matter to them. Right. They, they have they $76 million on a buyout. And you don't even know who
1: the coach is going to be to replace him.
2: Right. So, so if your former coach that you just got rid of signed, what, what was that? A nine year deal at $90 million and you were willing to pay out. um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) uh, $76 million on the buyout. Then what's your next coach going to make? Or what? What is the next? What? What? What is that negotiation going to be like? Because the coach comes in and say, "Look, you just paid this guy nine. You, you, you know, hey, inflation. Where I, I guess you're paying me eleven, right? With with an ironclad buyout as well. Whatever the number is. So my guess is that A and M is continue is going to continue to shoot for the sky. But then at some point they're going to have to think, you know what? Damn it, we got the guy. They're going to have to not approach things like Georgia. They're going to have to pr- approach things maybe like Michigan. And you're going to give Harbaugh an extra year or extra two. And, and even though he he loses in that rivalry game into some of the ranked teams and, and you start to hear buzz that maybe things are working against him, they're going to make a change, you eventually break through and you're the team that's in playoffs and then you try to build from there. There's going to have to be some patience there eventually. But the thing that they also have and and consider, if you're willing to pay a coach and if you're willing to pay to get rid of a coach What's that, $150 million investment in your coaching staff? Right, right. Then, Then if you have that kind of money, how much can you pay players? And that's ultimately no. from an NIL standpoint, what this is going to come down to. So they're going to have to hire somebody who has some sort of deep pocket vision that can convince players that, yeah, you may not like AM very much. You, you know, it might not be your favorite city or whatever, but holy crap, are you going to make coin to come here? And and they're probably going if they're willing to, to pay more for a coach, then they're probably going to have to pay more for a lot of players to be as elite as they believe. They can
1: be.
0: Okay,
2: guys, I am going to leave everything on this note. Um,
0: The absolute overhaul, the Jed, uh, how do I put this? Actually, I'll just put it like this. The absolute overhaul, the absolute overhaul, the Jed Fish has done with this program has been absolutely astounding. Again, two years ago, this was arguably the worst team in power five football. Now it's a team that is on the verge of the top 10. And they're solid at every single position. Quarterback, check. Skill positions, check. As Schuster said, the lines are fantastic. They're even different than a lot of your top uh, flight teams in that you've got the big corners. You've got the physical players in the uh, defensive backfield. you got linebackers. It is a team that does not have many weaknesses, if any weaknesses at all. And that is a huge testament to what Jed Fish has done because this didn't just happen overnight. This was something that took obviously some time. And that is, again, that's all on Jed Fish I have re- rarely in college football, especially in a non-blue uh, blood, have I seen an overhaul like this? And again, A++ plus plus job for Mr. Jed Fish.
1: It's unbelievable. Um, it, it really is. I, I know there have been dynamites and, and powers over the years in college football and, and things come and go, but just what you were dealt. I mean, you were at absolutely rock bottom. You had nothing. You were in 2021 arguably the worst team in all of Power 5 Division One college football wasn't even close. Um, and everything you've done to come to this point is a, a testament to Jed Fish and, and the recruiting that they've done and the strategy and the foundation that they've built. Because I think to go back to our a and point that Schuster was making, and I think it's all well and good, but at the same time, you can't just write the biggest checks and have the best team. There's a level of coaching that comes with it. There's fit, there's culture, there's all these different things. And Arizona has had its challenges. Right. They've had challenges with injury. They've had challenges at quarterback figuring out who that was. And eventually you got it in Noah Fafita. But this coaching staff has really navigated things and really taken initiative to to correct those things and and, and do it quickly. Um, we could even break down the little things like red zone offense. How bad were they last year when it comes to scoring within the you know their own 10-yard line? They were awful. This year, they're fantastic at that. You know, you look at the defense. Everything that they've had go wrong for them early in their tenure, they've corrected it immediately. And I think that goes uh, to everybody who is around the coaching staff and a big up to Dave Heakey and everybody who's helped built this foundation, Mike. Shoe,
2: close it th- out right here. I think there's also maybe a wildcat wild card here, and that is the unique position that Fish is in to build a program that has next to no history. Uh, you, you, know, Arizona fans, many of them and many of the players, the former players here love the Dick Tomey tenure here. Uh, and, and, and there are a lot, and there are a share of fond memories that come from that. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, what Fish inherited, Mike, as you noted was a disaster and Arizona for the most part has been occasionally mediocre to sometimes pretty good, but has never strung three good years right. together. If you, this is yours, and 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 this is so so. If you're into being a legacy coach, and you're just not chasing the next paycheck and the next job, uh, Arizona is an ideal place to put your stamp on something that makes you something of a community legend. Now, keep in mind, you know this is this is one year and seven games. Technically, this is a seven-game renovation for Arizona. It's been remarkable. But you have to do it next year. And then you have to do it the year after that. And then in year four, if you if you can be consistently good in that fourth year, now you're on to something. Now you're legitimately on to something. You have cemented yourself in the memories of a lot of people that Arizona just isn't a spike, an occasional spike, but that can be a legitimate football program. And that's totally unique territory uh, for in the history of this school, which has never had that, they've been able to spring. Good two and a half year campaigns together. They they did it in the uh, they did it in the seventies under Jim Young, where they were you know eight and three, nine nine and two had some good runs. Larry Smith peaked in that regard. Tommy, of course, uh, in the early nineties had about two and a half years. By the way, which were kind of similar to this one before they dropped off to be a five hundred team and you know had a difficult time uh, digging beyond just being an occasional spike school. So you still have some work ahead to be able to maintain it. But if you can do that and you're willing to stick it out, then you're staring at legend status for a program that had no such thing when it came to football. And that is a very unique position to be in. Can Fish do that? Obviously, that remains to be seen. But at least he has set the foundation for that being a possibility. All right. For the great John Schuster, Ben White,
0: I am Mike Luke. Again, Arizona beat the snot out of ASU. Take that, Jacob Franklin. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats postgame.
1: We all silly like the mayor.